Welcome to the IAB podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the IAB UK podcast, brought to you with the help of our sponsor, Spotify. I'm James Chandler, Chief Marketing Officer at the IAB, and thank you for joining us for episode four. This week, over the next 25-ish minutes, we'll be chewing over the topics on everyone's lips at the IAB this week. From Keith Weed's speech at the IAB in the US to the latest epic Nike ad. Plus, we'll be getting a handy explainer on what exactly the cap code is from ad industry legend James Best. And our special guest answering 10 quickfire questions about work, life and the Winter Olympics is none other than Dora McKyle, Digital MD at The Telegraph. But first of all, we'll be hurtling headfirst into creative and discussing the age-old issue of science versus art with L.A. Ronane, creative director at Stink Studios, and Art Tinsley, creative technologist at Riot. So whether at this moment you're on the treadmill attempting to break your 5K PB or sat in the office staring glumly at an ever-growing to-do list, hopefully by the end of this episode you'll have gained some insights into what's happening in the world of digital advertising this week. Reaching the right people at the right time has always been digital advertising's strong suit. But things get a bit scrappy when we add the right message into the mix. And it's not just the right message, but something beautifully crafted that creates an emotional connection with whoever's screen it appears on. In its formative years, the promised land of digital advertising offered better efficiency and targeting. But even in today's world, might it be that we've overdosed on the science and forgotten about the art? Joining me today to answer that very question is L.A. Ronane, Creative Director at Stink Studios and Art Tinsley, Creative Technologist at Riot, Oath's Global Creative Studio. Welcome to you both. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Thank you for having us. Art, why don't we start with you? There's a brilliant sort of mantra on the site for Riot, which is we make art, not ads. What in your mind is the difference between the two? Yeah, I think I think what's going on at Riot at the moment is really exciting. It kind of takes me back to where I started in this industry, which is the creative agency side. And we're really trying to put the idea at the forefront and um, and then package it in a way that gets across really interesting information in a exciting, interesting uh, and different way. We we have a mantra internally sort of behind that which is don't be boring. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really kind of reiterates what we're trying to do, which is is make sure that what we're saying is is said with such conviction that you kind of have to hear it. Mm. And, and, and LA, the, the sort of the science behind the target, there's so many intricate ways you can do it, right? If you want to find left-handed badminton players in Coventry on a, on a Thursday outside of McDonald's, you know, you could probably find someone that can do it. But the messages that you give someone don't always sort of live up to it. You don't always get something that's massively relevant. Um, I think it totally defeats the point of targeting if mm. you don't get the messages right. And I think it's, it's quite a lazy use of data if that's where you end up. Um, and nothing is worse than hammering people over the head with stuff that isn't relevant to them or useful yeah. to them. Mm. Um, so I think it's kind of down to us all to make sure that we're using data as a great source of research in terms of input that goes into our briefs and into our creative thinking. Yeah. And then also output, so to make sure that we're not spamming people where best we can. Yeah, and, and stink a, a digital first. What, what does sort of digital first mean in a world today where I guess, you know, it's phone screens, it's the screen you sit in front of. Increasingly, it's becoming car dashboards and it's going to be watches and all these other things. So what what does sort of digital first mean? Um, I think 
Well, I think the first thing is in terms of actual human beings in the world, I don't think there was a a delineation between digital and between um, the actual IRL world anymore. Mm. I think digital is just part of our lives in the way that our screens help us get around and communicate with people and everywhere else. So as a digital first agency making digital or, you know, internet first um, creative, I think that's just playing into that, into that modern world of how people um, interact with brands and with each other. And, and how much do you see of digital that's sort of a, a knockdown of what it first was, which is that beautiful 30-second you know, TV creative? I mean, you've worked in lots of creative agencies. Is the tendency still to, you know, if you want a creative idea, the first thing you go back with is a, is a telly idea? Or, or is it shifting to you are seeing stuff on smartphones and ideas that are slightly different than the 30-second telly ad? I'm going to try desperately not to say old-fashioned <laughs> yeah. and fail terribly, but I think the industry at large is used to that way of working. Mm. Um, and I think television has been around long enough for people to understand it and know how to test it well and to get to grips with it and actually make it work. Whereas not a lot of people in this kind of dawn of digital mm. marketing really know how to um, to you know, take risks without putting their mortgages on the line for yeah, all yeah, intents yeah. and purposes. Yeah. Um, and I think within that, certain brands are are in better states to make incredible digital work, whereas a lot of them may not be as advanced or have the same sort of audience love yeah. that, um, you know, that they might feel that they need to kind of take risks in different ways. Yeah. Um, and there, there is still a place for 30-second television oh, ads. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. But I do think that um, that f- d- thinking of film at large, just putting yourself into a 30-second ad spot mm. is a really sad place to start yeah, with yeah, yeah. big ideas and with, um, especially for script writing and what we now call content um, which is still just great film. Yeah, and, and content is something completely different in Riot's world, isn't it? Um, is there much talk of 30-second telly ads in the, in the No, I was, I was going to jump in there and agree, actually. I think when I was cutting my teeth in the industry, my job as creative tech was to, to tease out that digital idea mm. out of what was the traditional approach to advertising. Right. Obviously, where we're positioned, we get a different side of uh, the industry now, but it really has changed in my mind in that that idea on a post-it note that we all used to mm. sort of love and, and pray that that would be what came through from the creatives. It feels like it's kind of becoming true now um, in that we are thinking, like you said, not um, LA, you know, not like a, a medium, but as a, a core idea about how you can get a message across to humans. And that's blurring now in a way that's really exciting. Yeah. Uh, well, um, what do you think, I guess, comes first? Because I guess with telly, like you said, LA, people know where it's going to be. You kind of know it's always going to be 30 seconds or it's going to be a 60 or it might even be a 90. You kind of, they're the parameters you've got to play with. I guess with digital, it could almost be anything. It could be in a feed. It could be something that's outstream. Um, the context, I guess, is even more important. So um, is there anything, anything you've worked on or that you've done, which is the context is so important, it couldn't have sort of worked. It couldn't have worked anywhere else. Um, I think with everything that... I've tried to do no matter what format you're in is the context of what a person might be doing at mm. any given time, the context of of how somebody is going to interact with um, with perhaps a service to start off with, like how you can be the most used for that person in that mm. time is really important. And then on the other side, how can you be as entertaining to them in what's going on in the grander scheme of, you know, the culture and, uh, and the world? Um, yeah. Are definitely like I think the two most um, important starting points and I think any brand out there in the world can either be of great service or mm. can be entertaining in the right way. And where I guess it gets us on to responsibility where, where does the responsibility sit? We were talking last year at our leadership summit we had a creative town hall and there's a whole mixed bag of opinions from people saying 
well, the creative agency, because it's got it in its title, that's what it should chiefly do. We'll know it's the client that should define, you know, creative excellence. Uh, media agencies are employing creative people, you know, people that have commissioned content before. And of course, then there's loads of platforms as well that do different things. But what's your sort of take on where responsibility ultimately sits? You know, I'm going to sit on the fence a little bit on this one, which I know <laughs> nobody wants. But this is this is where we've actually got quite a lot of experience in, in this area now. Obviously, sitting on the media owner side of things, mm. we have pitched lots of big ideas that haven't quite sort of come through and the reason usually is because we haven't had that big boardroom meeting where right. the creative agency the client the media agency and us are all sat around and it can be a bit uncomfortable yeah. And but once you've had that first meeting um, you it's without a doubt the best platform to do incredible work mm. and you get that amazing insight from the kind of creative nugget from the the creative agency which you'd be missing if you did it on your own yeah. um, but then you all go on a sort of journey together and work in these little V-teams almost with, with the, the vendor and everybody together yeah um, um, and that's where we have, without doubt, seen our best projects. Yeah, it just has to work that way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think ultimately it comes down to brands that need to make the decision whether or not they're going to take creative risks. Mm. And I think whenever we talk about art, talking about art with art, you know, <laughs> whenever we talk about art instead of advertising and those kind of great, you know, big sort of cultural zeitgeist pieces that exist in the world that can't happen without mm. there being some level of risk taking and then for all of the rest of us it's about helping brands to understand possibilities through technology or through um, you know ambition I suppose for where creative can go and then to make a decision whether or not the brief is the right time to do that yeah. um, and also not all agencies are going to be best placed to do that um, yeah. and you know I'm privileged to work in a place that is all about doing that and yeah. you know we see that through the brands that we work do you ever think uh, digital will get to a place where we had that sort of warm, fuzzy, lovely, fond feeling that we had for, you know, the sort of the Hamlet ads of the day or the, you know, some of the <laughs> incredible sort of telly ads, you know, the sort of golden age of television? Do you ever think digital will get to that place where we sort of, you know, feel like emotional connection with digital advertising or it's not its purpose to do that? Well, I think, again, when you look at um, not thinking about the difference between like online film or mm. advertising, whatever it is. But when you look at what people are sharing out in the world, um, some of that can be brand messaging mm. and some of it can just be kind of other beautiful stories that um, exist in the world, as well as like the great big hilarious content and all of, and all of the rest of it. And I think human beings fundamentally want to share great stuff, be it very useful or be it very entertaining Mm. um, with everyone. And I think thinking along more of those lines rather than hammering people over the head with brand messaging is um, will get us there. And I think we see it all around. I think so much of, um, you know, specifically for like great, um, I suppose, passion brands like the fashion guys and sports guys and technology and stuff, all of those people are out there and doing it and, you know, getting to work with them is amazing. But I think that I think there's already that shift kind of happening. Um, So, yeah, I think it's about how we tune ourselves into making sure that we deliver on that. Yeah, I think we're already starting to sort of transcend the the medium as already um, and are able to have the ability to connect with people on just a raw message that mm-hmm. we're trying to portray mm. um, I think quite often we do get bogged down in oh this is digital and this is in this area and this yeah. is in this different yeah. area if the idea is good enough it will resonate with people um, I'll, I'll leave you both with something and that's an amazing piece of content that you don't really think about as digital or analog or anything about but that's you know what Nike have just done with Nothing Beats a Londoner which is an incredible bit of content you know I, I, I remember you know, not so many years ago when people would say it would be an urban myth that people would watch three minutes of content mm. on a mobile phone. But, you know, surely that's a, a good example of great content. You know, they've sort of got an influencer strategy behind it. But 
you know, brands like Nike are very lucky that they can do that. But um, your sort of verdict on it, LA? I think it's amazing. I think mm. it's the best thing we've seen so far this year. And working with Nike, I mean, for everyone, always has been amazing. Yeah. But, um, you know, they are they are thinking about things in a very evolved, uh, future-focused way. And like you say, it's easy when you're the most loved brand in the world. 100%. But I think the fact that they maintain that yeah. um, and keep and keep coming out and then keep changing the game for the rest of us is yeah. uh, is, is really something. Absolutely. And one of your favourites out? I mean, I watched the Nike one last week and was blown away by it. So I'm going to have to throw that one in there for the, like you said, I think it's one of the best things we've seen this year. Nice. Um, I think it's an amazing piece of work. Thank you. We're probably just only just scratched the surface on uh, on getting into creativity and digital. But thank you very much, LA. And thank you, Art, for joining us. If you want to have your say on creativity and digital advertising, get in touch with us by emailing us podcast at iabuk.net or on Twitter at iabuk. As ever, we have a whole host of platforms to help you get involved in the debate, including roundtables, working groups and events, including the award-winning Engage in June and our first ever nonference in November. Here at the IAB, we know that the world of digital advertising can get complicated and is ever-changing. So each week, we break down complex issues relating to privacy, regulation, measurement and programmatic buying into a handy bite-sized two minutes. But this week, we need a few more minutes because it's the turn of the rulebook itself, the CAP code. And I have with me a legend of Adland and an absolute authority on the subject, James Best, Chairman of the Committees of Advertising Practice, or CAP for short. James, thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure, thank you. And I, I think you're probably our most illustrious guest today. And I'm going to embarrass <laughs> Can't you have slightly. Had very many guests. I'm going to embarrass you slightly with a bit of a roll call. So, so for those of unaware, James has been Chair of the Ad Association, President of the European Association of communications agencies, a council member of the IPA running the Effectiveness Committee and is a council member of the ASA and not forgetting was also chairman of the remarkable BMP DDB and then of DDB UK. So that's quite a roll call indeed. It was hell. (laughs) Um, Let's get into CAP. Um, In a nutshell, what's the ASA and what is CAP? Yeah, the ASA is the bit that people know about that Advertising Standards Authority, give it its full name, and that's the one-stop shop for advertising regulation here in the UK, Um, which really means that anyone who's got a concern about any ad that they think is misleading or harmful in some way or very offensive, they can take that complaint straight to the ASA. Um, About 30,000 people, Mm. near enough, did that last year. And all those complaints are looked at, and if necessary, they're investigated. And last year, that meant that about 7,000 ads were banned, yeah. or at least amended, mm. as a result of that kind of ASA intervention. Mm-hmm. It's been going a long time. It's, it's, it's over 50 years yeah. old. So something seems to work. And it's self-regulatory, mm-hmm. almost sort of uniquely left in this mm. country, self-regulatory system means it's paid for by the advertisers. Uh, Compliance is enforced by the media. And that is really the industry's collective attempt to make sure that UK advertising is responsible and people can trust it. Mm. And in that light, it's supported by the government. So behind us, we do have some sort of bigger sticks, Mm. as it were, in terms of Ofcom or trading standards, uh, the ICO, Mm -hmm. very relevant sort of thing we might talk about, the Gambling Commission, those sort of statutory bodies, they stand behind us and support us in what we do. Mm. So that's the ASA. Mm -hmm. And CAP, 
Mm, cap. Cap is slightly less visible because this is the industry body. Um, we write the rules. Right. And the advertising code. Now, the members, therefore, represent all the different kind of strands of players in our, in our ecosystem. And amongst them, naturally, importantly, is the IAB. Mm. And it's, it's our rules, that cap code, are what the ASA Council, standing as judge and jury, they adjudicate on or by our rules. Got it. And, and what does it mean specifically for digital advertising? Well, I mean, in a way, it means no more or less than to any other sort because mm. it doesn't matter what medium, what platform marketers are using, they all have to comply with the codes. They are universal, they are mandatory. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it covers ads online. And importantly, that means whether they're paid for and display or whether they're on brands' own websites um, or another space under a brand's control, like mm. social media can be. So there are a couple of things perhaps of particular relevance, sort of things we're doing at the moment. One is about the recognisability of advertising. Mm. People need to know if an ad is an ad and not a piece of editorial or user-generated, pure Mm user-generated content. And if it's not clear from the context, then that's got to be labelled and labelled clearly. For example, using hash ad. Got it. Which is what we would like people to mm. use. And that's particularly important when we come to talk to social influencers, you know, vloggers, affiliates, other forms of native ads. Second, the code requires responsible targeting. Mm-hmm. And that particularly concerns advertising that children might see, yeah. hear, experience. And that's where we've kind of just recently introduced an extra layer of responsibility that advertisers need to accept, which is to go beyond simple age reference into interest-based targeting and to understand through all the different strands of intelligence that the platforms control who the audience that they're reaching is really going to be. And, of course, now we've got GDPR. Mm. That's going to have new demands on all of us. And we're liaising closely with the IAB on that front as well as with the DMA Mm -hmm. and, again, with the ICO. Mm -hmm. Make sure those rules, because we have rules that cover that, are in the right place. Mm -hmm. So how can people listening find out more, James? Hopefully, very easily. CAP provides a load of advice and training to the whole industry. um, And those services were accessed actually several hundred thousand times Mm. last year. So all you've got to do is go to asa.org.uk and people can either subscribe to CAP newsletters, which come out regularly covering any kind of stuff that's that's happening that's fresh, can access free guidance. There's about 600 different online advice notes or guidance notes, giving unpacking the rules, if you like, and giving them more practical suggestions. Or they can sign up for e-learning and uh, or they can ask Eve or Christie at the IAB because they know all about it. (laughs) They do indeed. Uh, James, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, James. And as James said, for everything relating to the ASA and CAP, head to asa.org.uk. And as members of CAP, the IAB is committed to sharing updates with our members. So find our refreshed content and native guidelines that reference the CAP code on our site at iabuk.net.
This week, the IAB team have been scattered across the globe. Our CEO, John, has been in Palm Springs, California for the IAB US annual leadership meeting. Meanwhile, our chief digital officer, Tim, headed to Manchester to talk gold standard. And myself and Jane, our COO, travelled east, as in East London, to attend a breakfast on the future of TV. But joining me on the podcast this week to talk about all the various goings on is IAB PR guru and resident New Yorker, Amanda Crowley. Thanks, James. I'm excited to be here. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Incredible. (laughs) Incredible. And uh, our research virtuoso, George Hopkinson. Hello, James. Uh, Welcome to you both. Uh, Amanda, why don't we start with you, particularly on uh, IAB US uh, annual leadership meeting. So they had Mark Pritchard last year, um, massive call to arms, now infamous speech, and followed up with Keith Weed from Unilever uh, this year. Uh, What did he say and how did it all go down? Yeah, it was an interesting speech. Um, I think, uh, as we all know, it got a mild amount of press Mm. coverage. Um, (laughs) A lot of people maybe are picking out some of the the negative bits or what they interpret to be negative, saying Unilever is going to pull spend from certain platforms like Mm. Google or Facebook. Uh, But when you really listen to it and kind of get into the meat of it, uh, it's really quite positive. It's um, He's saying to lean in and to work with the platforms to make advertising a better experience and a safer place. So I think the idea of collaboration is really great and something that uh, we as the IAB are also all about. And, you know, Keith probably wouldn't mind me saying it, but he's not someone who's going to be native to digital. But, you know, he sounded really sort of clued up and he he cares about what it's going to be. And that, I guess, can only be a good thing from someone as senior as him in such a big organisation. Yeah, I, I look at it as positive. I'm, mm. It makes me excited to think someone that is caring about the experience of the user uh, and sourcing their partners uh, responsibly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess the challenge for our friends in the US is who on earth do you get next year? Who follows Mark Pritchard and Keith Weed? They've kind of got their hands full with that, right? Yeah, that'll be a, that'll be a tough call. But mm. I'd like to see someone, maybe a Coke or a Pepsi. I know that they've had some some recent challenges or some backlash to a few of the campaigns mm. last year. Someone like Nike or Adidas who uh, has taken a lot of money and, and put it into investing in digital. Yeah. Absolutely. What a wonderful segue about investing in digital to uh, to George. So you're finalising all of the research stuff for this year. Absolutely. Um, what can we look forward to? So there is two projects that um, I suppose I'm probably more excited about, mm. um, particularly excited about. Uh, the first one uh, is called Advertising in a World Without Screens. It's our working title for now. Um, and uh, that's going to be investigating all the really exciting things that are going to go on in um, in the kind of voice assistant space. Mm. So thinking things like Siri, uh, Alexa, Google Home, all those sort of new devices that are really kind of flipping, I guess, everything we know about advertising yeah. around a little bit. So that's, that's the first one that's coming mm-hmm. out in, in Q2. Uh, and then and uh, later in the year, uh, another one that uh, should be really fantastic. Uh, again, working title, one called uh, Quality Over Quantity. All the working titles. All the working titles, indeed. Um, and with this project, we really want to explore whether uh, you can use fewer, mm. higher quality ads in the digital space and achieve the same effect, if mm. not a better effect, than than running you know, a really high frequency of less decent ads. So we'd really like to kind of stress test that, uh, with the hypothesis being that absolutely you know, fewer, better ads is the way forward. Forward. Yeah, uh, and you know, no surprise. We really think from the IEB that's going to going to help uh, work towards the sustainability goal as well. Yeah, so they're the two biggies keeping nice. us busy. It would be 
remiss of us not to talk about ad spend because I'd ad imagine spend. that's probably what's keeping you busy now. So, Indeed, um, yeah. full year 2017, when can we expect that? So, 25th of April, 9am mm-hmm. at the Macklin Street Auditorium mm-hmm. office. Be there, yes, if you want to find out about the uh, the latest figures. But I'd imagine you'll give us a quick tidbit now, surely, something. You'd imagine wrong, I'm afraid, James. Yeah, oh, okay. we've got to keep our lips sealed. Still working through loads of stuff. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, can't, can't tell you anything yet. We should finish by talking about Winter Olympics. Quite an obsession in the office at the moment and I know George in particular uh, you've been catching up on lots of it so if absolutely your favourite Winter Olympics event Uh, I would go for the ski jump purely because it's totally mental and Amanda for you Team USA sort of top half of the medals table I think last time I guess you guys usually top but it's yeah you know it's uh, it's not over yet so (laughs) I'm not worried about it Uh, favourite event for you Oh, how can you choose? Mm. So many great ones. George, George struggle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, if you talk mental, uh, I'd say like the luge, double luge or skeleton. Mm. Um, I'm watching admittedly more curling than I ever thought I would. Uh, but uh, snowboarding, that's been pretty interesting. Uh, yes, and of course we had the whole Sean White escapade as well. So, so pop quiz for Amanda things you can't do with the American flag. So so we should explain, Sean White was was sort of outed in the press for dragging the American flag along the floor, which apparently you're not allowed to do, which opened up a whole basket of other things you're not allowed to do with the American flag, which yes. include... Well, it cannot be worn as a cape. Oh. It cannot be printed on anything you eat off of. Nothing can be put <laughs> on top of it. And no flag should be raised above it. My word. Yeah. Them, so them's the rules. Yeah. Them's the rules. Open a real can of worms. Um, we could talk all day about Winter Olympics, but thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Amanda. Thanks, George. Thanks, James. Thank you. 1,200. It's the number of miles between us recording this here in London and Morocco. And it's also how many organisations make up the IAB UK membership. So every week we put one in the spotlight and invite somebody from a different member organisation to spend one minute answering as many of our ten quick-fire questions as they can. This week, we were lucky enough to get an invite to the Telegraph's offices in central London to speak to the one and only Dora McKyle. Here's how things went down. So we're here at the Telegraph to talk about work, life and blockchain with Managing Director of Digital, Dora McKyle. Hi, Dora. Hello. Thank you for having us around. My pleasure. Um, we are full-on leadership summit at the moment at the IAB. Obviously, next week you're coming. You're looking forward to it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I really am. Nick Hughes is going to be there, our CEO. Mm-hmm. He's doing a keynote. He's going to be talking about the registration first strategy that we have, and I just think it's going to be a really great um, time for the publishers and everybody else in the room to get behind some of the ideas that Nick will be presenting. Absolutely. And um, Nick's getting a lot of airtime on this podcast, actually. He's been bigged up by um, by John Mew in the last one. He's a popular guy. Of course he is. Okay. Um, you know the rules on this. It's pretty straightforward. 60 seconds to answer 10 questions. Are you ready? Let's do it. Start the clock. What job would you be doing if you didn't work in digital advertising? I'd be selling books and serving coffee. The best boss you've ever had? Obviously, Nick Hugh. Describe how you feel about blockchain in three words whole other podcast virtual reality augmented reality or mixed reality mixed because i don't really know what that means where did you get your news from this morning the telegraph tell us something about yourself we wouldn't find out on wikipedia uh that i nearly drowned three days into my honeymoon in the zambezi quinoa or quinoa quinoa what's the last thing you liked on facebook a video of a little baby goat trying to bleat if you had two minutes to teach someone something new, what would it be? Uh, it would be how to make an origami water balloon. 
And lastly, if you're competing at the Winter Olympics this year, which event would you be doing? Definitely the luge. Boom, on luge. Thank you very much indeed, Dora. My pleasure. That brings us to the end of another episode. Thanks again to our sponsor, Spotify, and thank you for listening to episode four. We hope you're a little wiser for listening, even if all you've learned is that Dora McKyle almost met a watery end on her honeymoon. We'll be back in two weeks, where we'll be reporting on location from our much-anticipated leadership summit. So if you're not able to attend, never fear, as we'll be bringing you essential insights and nuggets of leadership gold from behind the scenes at Sopwell House. If you're enjoying the podcast, please do subscribe and spread the word to anyone who you think might find it useful. And while you're at it, if you really loved this episode, why not give us a coveted five-star rating? In the meantime, as ever, if you want more information about what the IAB does or how you can get in touch, find us online at iabuk.net or at IABUK on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening. The IAB Podcast from SNK Studios.